A lot of question marks. A lot of question marks. A lot of question marks. We've got uh, Jason McKee here with us as well, as always, on a Wednesday press conference. Jason, I don't want to ask this to uh, Jason McKee, the sideline reporter. I don't want to ask this question to Jason McKee, the Carmel head coach. I want to ask this to Jason McKee, the former Chicago Bears fullback. Um, When you hear the response out of the building from the man that represents the brand that you wore on your helmet, on your chest, uh, walked in those locker rooms every day, what is your response to what we just heard from Matt Eberflus about his processes and uh, how this is the second time in six weeks that this has happened with a head coach or with an assistant coach being fired due to conduct that is uh, not acceptable at all in the workplace? Yeah, I mean, I think the process in terms of where he talked about vetting coaches, assistant coaches, in terms of the hiring of those guys, you know, it's not just him that does the vetting. Uh, you know, it's he has, you know, guys who he wants to bring in an interview, who he wants a part of the staff. But the final OK comes from upstairs. You know what I'm saying? I, they got to make the final decision on whether or not, you know, they want this assistant coach. They feel like he's a good fit. So I don't think that decision is up to the discretion of Coach Flues himself. But at the end of the day, if you go out and seek this guy, you bring him to upper management and you all do the vetting and the interviewing, the background checks and the calls and you know, all this other stuff, um, it does, it falls on everybody. I mean, obviously, you're the head coach. You got to take accountability for it. And, you know, like we said, this is twice, you know, and it, it's 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 ridiculous. I mean, it really is. It's embarrassing uh, for the brand. Um, it's already been an embarrassing season. When you have stuff like this come up, not once, but twice, it's just, I mean, it's there's no adjective to describe it. <laughs> I mean, it's like you have something good happens and something bad happens. Yeah. You know, you get an opportunity to bring in a pass rusher, must added help in Montez Sweat, and then boom, here comes the drama. Here comes the negativity. I mean, it's like a freaking soap opera. Every day it's something different. You know what I mean? And honestly, you know, for me as, as a former player, like you said, it pisses me off. It really does because I know there's a lot of good guys in that locker room, and I know there's, you know, some more good coaches in that building. So it's, it's a situation where, you know, you have bad things happen, and it puts a dark cloud over everybody. Yeah. And like I said before, there's a lot of guys on this team that are working their ass off uh, to go out there and win games. You know, there's a lot of coaches spending countless hours, spending time away from their family, trying to put together good game plans, trying to make sure that their particular position groups are playing up to a standard that's acceptable. And for the reasons that we see each and every Sunday, that's not translatable to the football field. So and then you have crap like this happen. I mean, it just puts a dark cloud over the whole organization. And at the end of the day, you know, you got as a head coach, it's on you. It's on you. It's on you. It's on the gym and it's on the organization because those are the guys who made the final say to bring certain people in the building. Now, I don't know what happened. Um, you know, I I talked to David, Coach David Walker quite a bit before the games um, from my conversations with him. Seems like a great guy. He's coached, he's coached football for a long time, dating back to college. He's coached a lot of players, you know, a lot of good running backs. And, you know, when you do your due diligence, if there has not been a history of certain things, and I don't know what those are, but certain things that wouldn't make you hireable as an assistant coach, well, then, hey, if you have a guy with experience, who's had experience coaching a lot of great backs, well, then you bring him in. But, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know. It's, it's just frustrating. It's confusing. It's like, 
you know, it's one thing to be playing bad and you have all these outside factors that's adding to this ridiculous season. And we still got a half a season to go. That's what makes it even worse. <laughs> you know, There's a like, lot of games left, j There are a lot of games Freaking left. soap opera. But at the end of the day, though, right, as a head coach, and I'm a head coach, right, so I'm accountable to my assistant coaches and stuff like that. Um, you know, you, you, you have eyes on things. Most of the time you have eyes on these coaches when you're in the building, when you're traveling, right? You're around these coaches a lot, but you're not at these coaches' houses, right? You're not in these coaches' computers, right? You're not in these coaches' phones. You know what I'm saying? You're not, and I don't know what the situation is, but at the same time, it's a standard, right? A standard of accountability to where, you know, you have to say, hey, you know what? Yeah, it's on me because I hired that guy. And I mean, that's, you know, some of these coaches will sit up there and they'll take the blame. They'll hold themselves accountable. And everybody messes up. Like yeah. I said, you can't, I don't, I can't, I don't have a, you know, I don't have a, a, a GPS tracker on, on my coaches all the time. But at the end of the day, there's a standard to be held. And if that standard isn't met, you may have to get rid of some guys, but you have to hold yourself accountable because you are the head. You know what I mean? So, it's just, it just freaking sucks, man. I don't know how else to put it. I mean, honestly, I, I mean, I can sit here and, and ramble on, but it sucks, man. No, I, I'm right there with you. Uh, but by the way, if you guys want to call in, give your thoughts on the show, call into the show 312 332 3776. You can join the show, chop it up here with me and J Mac. Uh, I mean, I, I think, let me ask you this from this perspective here. At what point does the brand have to take precedence over what you're trying to do on the football field? Because in my opinion, this is not only you have you been embarrassed on the football field, probably six of the eight times you've gone out there, right? Um, at this point, you're now making the brand of the Chicago Bears look bad. You have had two coaches that have been fired in six weeks. You You've had... Uh, uh, a player in the building who basically didn't want to be in the building, didn't want to work hard, and he basically slapped your standards that are supposed to be the Chicago Bears standards in the face and Chase Claypool. You end up moving him out of here. Ryan Poles does his job by saying he doesn't want to be a part of it. We're going to get him out of here. At what point does Kevin Warren have to look at what's happening within the organization in eight weeks? It's like you said, there's still so much football Man, left to play. Half the season left. There's a half a season left. At what point does Kevin Warren have to look at it? And I don't know if it gets to Josh McDaniels levels of bad, but basically say, listen, there has to be a change here this year. This is unacceptable. Yeah, he's got it I mean, right away. Yeah, all the time. That's your job. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you 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 look at it's for the betterment of the team, the betterment organization, and crap like this keeps happening, man. Like, I mean, after the first incident, you think something would have been clamped down upon, and I don't know. What happened? You know, I can't sit there and act like I know what happened because I don't. A lot of people, in Chicago, you know, don't really know what happened. Hell, we don't even know what happened with Coach Williams. You know what I mean? Everything's tight-lifted. In certain situations with HR, that's the way it's going to be. But at the same time, if you have two coaches get fired on staff, right, and it's for reasons that HR got involved, well, then there's a bigger issue. So like you said, when does not only – the head coach take the accountability for the actions of others, but also the organization. You know, like you said, Kevin Warren. I mean, he came into a whole mess. Like, but that's your job. That's your job description. Yeah. You know, you got to manage this. Holes, you got to manage this. You guys got to take accountability as well. And 
you know, it just sucks that game week in and week out, there's so much crap. You know what I mean? It's so much crap. And it's evident that, you know, we can talk about the guys working hard and all this other stuff and they're sticking together and they got a good culture in the building. You know, I don't know if that's true. I'm not in the building, but I know it's the effects. You can see it in the play on the field. Look at last week, all the missed freaking tackles. Looked like they weren't even there, you know, and it's – I mean, I just don't understand it. I really don't. It's it's frustrating. It's confusing. It sucks. It's it's terrible. It's an embarrassment to the brand. You know, it's an embarrassment to the players that came before and wore the same jersey. It's an embarrassment to the, to the fans of Chicago. And, uh, you know, it hurts. It really does. It hurts, man, because like I said before, you know, the Bears is forever my family. And, you know, I had an opportunity. I was blessed to be able to wear that same uniform as the greats that I that I grew up watching, the greats that I looked up to. And, you know, I always wanted to hold myself to a higher standard than the organization could hold myself uh, to because of that brand, because of what I was representing, because of the players that came before me, because of how lucky and blessed I knew I was in a situation. You know, I wanted to hold myself to a standard that was above any standard that anybody could place upon me. And like I said, it just hurts. It just hurts to see that, you know, every year we've just been trending downward, 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 downward. And we've made no strides to get better. Um, you know, there's been no signs of getting better. I mean, if you look at, take all this crap off the field, right, on the field. I mean, we're still far. We're still far away. You know, I think Montez Sweat is a great player. Obviously, he brings in, you know, added help on the defensive line, which is much needed. Yeah, it's much needed, and he's going to help in the future, but – even adding him, we're still so far away. <laughs> so you don't far. got Jonathan Allen. Yeah, I mean, it makes a big we're difference. So There's away. no Deron Payne on this team. Yeah, right? We got Chase Young on the other side. We got Yannick. And I think, you know, I think the biggest winner in this could be Yannick. You know, it could help his production now because, yeah. you know, scheme-wise, offensive coordinators, he's the only marked man on that defensive line that they're looking at to say, hey, this is the only guy that can, that can win a one-on-one matchup and get pressure. So they scheme for that, take him out of the game like they've done, you know, every single week. Uh, so we were just so far, man, so far. And this stuff right here is putting us back further. Um, and that's, that's what's so hurtful right now. It's like, it's crazy, man. Hey, yeah. You, hey, y'all got enough problems on the field. Don't create ones off the field. That's what the team does. Bad, bad teams are going to be bad teams. That's what this comes down to. Let's go out to the phone lines. We got Aaron out in San Diego. He says he's on to next year already for the bears. Aaron, what's going on? Hey, what's going on? What's happening there? Oh, yeah. I'm doing great. Doing great. I'm as good as a Bears fan can be, I guess, with all the controversy going on with this team. Um, But uh, that's why I think you just need to, uh, as a Bears fan, I mean, for me personally, I have to look forward because what we got going on in the field right now is just, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it's a rebuilding team. You know, it's a bunch of guys on don't really have a lot of continuity with each other. The off season is sort of like not really an off season anymore in the NFL. So are, <clears throat> sort of like, what are we going to do with this Carolina pick? Sort of like the big question. I mean, is Justin Fields our guy? I believe he is. I believe the coaching staff is not good. I believe Luke Getze makes bad decisions, doesn't put... Justin in a place to perform, you know, uh, the kind of calls he makes for him is sort of like, why is he doing this? Yeah, Justin does make errors. He doesn't really 
throw picks or, I mean, he, you know, he doesn't always see the field as well as he should or get rid of the ball as fast as he should, but they need to make calls and plays around him. No, a hundred percent. Aaron, appreciate the call in. Yeah. I mean, I, I get him. I understand what Aaron's saying. I, I think the interesting thing is, uh, and if you guys want to join the show, call in three, one, two, three, three, two, three, seven, seven, six, we live probably till about 11.35, 11.40, somewhere around there. So you got time to call into the show. Please do. Um, I think the interesting thing with uh, this Bears team right now is uh, <laughs> it's what I've said about the Bulls so often. They are consistently inconsistent. And J-Mac, maybe you can speak to this as a head coach, right? How, how hard is it to have an idea of what your system that you want to run is versus adapting it to the players that you have and what they actually can do. Because I think there is a system that Luke Getze and Matty Rufus want to run, but right now you don't have the players that you think can fit that system, so you need to make some adaptations. Yeah, that's your job as a, as a head coach and coordinators. You know, offense, defense, and special teams have – you have a certain personnel, right? And these guys inherited personnel. And then they also brought in guys uh, in terms of, you know, personnel-wise, in terms of guys they feel like can fit the schemes that they wanted to Im- implement on yeah. whatever phase they're coordinating. So, end of the day, right, offensively, if I have, you know, guys, if I'm a zone-running scheme, where I got to have linemen that can move. I got to have linemen that can get out on the edge. And if I don't have that, well, then I have to taper my scheme a little bit. And I may have to go to more of a gap scheme. You know what I'm saying? So, as a coordinator, you always got to have to be able to adjust. That's adjusting with your scheme. That's in-game adjustments, you know, game planning adjustments, all that stuff. It's about adjusting, right? It's about making guys right. It's about putting guys in position to be successful, right? It's about making sure your offense is consistent. consistent. Um, so as a coordinator, that's your job, whether it's offense, defense, or special teams. You have to make sure, regardless of the personnel that you have, that you find ways to make your scheme go. If your scheme's not going, you have to make adjustments to make your scheme, you know, tick, to make your scheme consistent, to make your scheme work. That's your job as a coordinator. You know, there's no excuses. The NFL is a man's game. There's no excuses, right? There's no – it's about production. And if you're, you know, if you're not getting what you need in the passing game and your route concepts call for bigger receivers, maybe not running a lot of double moves and, you know, high pointing the ball, a lot of 50-50 balls and, you know – getting position on smaller DBs and defensive backs and stuff like that, well, then, hey, you call those route concepts. But if that isn't working, well, then you got to tailor your scheme. You know, if we can't – if we're if we lacking in pass protection, well, guess what? you got to adjust your protection scheme. Keep backs in, keep tight ends in the chip. You know what I'm saying? Things of that nature. But if you're constantly trying to force your quarterback to stand in the pocket and be a pocket passer – and that's not a skill set, well, guess what? Your scheme is going to suffer. And if you can't make those adjustments, well, guess what? Your scheme is going to suffer. And if you can't make those adjustments, well, guess what? You're not going to get a fair evaluation on whether or not your quarterback can be the quarterback of the future. And I, mean, I think that's my that's that's my biggest issue with this team is we see them make the adjustments and then we see them adjust back to what didn't work almost as if to say, okay, now you're here. Now let's go back to here. And I – it's the one thing that I see NFL coaches do. I, I think coaches overall do more more likely than not, right? Some of y'all think y'all are super geniuses. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, yeah, some of y'all, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know about you. you you're pretty good. I, I've seen what you do. Very excited. Very much a player's coach on the sideline there. You get after him, though. I like it. Olin Cruz, <laughs> I would say this. 
y'all go to the game and see how nice Olin is to these kids at times, bro. It will throw you off as a fan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bro, hey, I saw. I think I think y'all left tackle missed the block or something. He came over. He was like, "Hey, listen, it's okay." But bro. listen though. But listen. Here's the thing, right? Listen to this, Pat. Here's the thing, right? You know, you as a coach, right? You care for your players. You show yeah. them that you love them as people, right? But then you got to get on them. And they got to know that when you're getting on them, it's because you care, right? Yeah. If, if you're a coach who's always yelling, if you're always screaming at players, if everything requires you to scream at them, well, how important is it? How, impor- how important are things? Nothing's important. It if just becomes, yelling, oh, that's coach. Yeah, if you're always yelling, trying to hammer home a point, well, how, how important is that point? It's not. There's a time to yell, right? And there's a time to praise. And you got to know as a coach when to have that balance. But at the same time, the one thing that's never going to go, you know, that's never going to waver is the standard, yeah. is accountability. I think you know, that's the expectation. That shouldn't, that's never going to, that's never going to, that should never falter. Because once that standard slips, it's gone forever. And that's and, what it feels like this season has become. That's what it feels like the bear season became. Chase uh, Claypool came in here. I think I said Chase Young earlier. Chase Claypool came in here immediately. First game was one of, and, and we focus on Chase Claypool. Go back and watch that first game. It was one of 53 that didn't show effort on that field on that day. Your hits principle died that day, and it has been a season of that. It's not until week four that Lance Briggs came in here and was like, the linebackers ran to the ball today. Yeah, what? Yeah, I mean, dude, like I'm leaving last game, man. It was it was so upsetting, man, to see um all of his tackles. You know, it's it's yeah. I mean it was upsetting, man. I mean, this is like it's a basic fundamental. And I know missed tackles are gonna happen, you know, ball carriers are gonna break tackles, but I mean, damn. First guy misses the tackle, his principal, everybody's rallying to the ball with a second and third guy, and you gotta make that tackle. And yeah. we saw consistently last game. The second and third guy missing tackles. We saw guys, I saw personally, I'm on the sideline, and Austin Eckler catches that screen on the first touchdown they score. I saw guys jogging. You know, I didn't see guys with great pursuit angles coming from the backside to make that play. I saw guys jogging. And I even said on the broadcast, I said, man, it seems like these guys have, you know, um, jet lag legs because they're not running. Like, they're not, I don't see it. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I see the energy in pregame. Like, I see, you know, when the guys get on the team bus, I'm on the bus, and they're in there. They're energetic, and they seem like they're ready to play. Pregame, they're energetic. And then you get out there, and it's like they're flat. You know, but they're – You know this better than anybody, Jim, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, everybody ready for a fight till you get punched in the mouth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, or do they just – when, when something bad happens, do they just give up? I don't know. Okay, San Diego scored first. Now we're in the tank. Guys coming off with their head down. Like I, I got. Really there, there needs to be more fight. Like I really do wonder, fun. right? And this is this is the one thing that I've I've said a couple of times about this team is, it seems like they have the things that they want to do, and in the beginning of the game, before things get tough, they're yeah. able to do them. But when the team, whoever they're playing, Los Angeles Chargers, whoever it is, punches them back, they revert to the team that they were last season in, uh, here we go again, it, 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 here comes another loss, right? It almost feels like they feel that way while the game is happening uh, and, and they fall back on old bad habits. And versus the Chargers, like versus Oakland, now, very different quarterback situation, but I'm going to tell you this right now. 
Devontae Adams isn't any different. You get the ball in Devontae Adams' hand, he's a dangerous weapon. Versus the 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 Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders, right? I saw Devontae Adams get the ball, and there were eight guys there, and they were hype and they were ready. But the offense was rolling; they were getting into the end zone, and all of a sudden, right, it keeps that energy up. When yeah. you struggled on the first drive versus the Chargers, it was like everybody went back to like, oh, here we go, and we'll have a quarterback. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's overcoming adversity. Like if you're if you're if I can't even say built that way, right? I'm going to say coach that way, right? You got that dogging. Yeah, you got to You yeah. Some people have that dog in them, and some don't, right? But as a coach, right, you have to be as a coach, right? We talk about quarterbacks, great quarterbacks being multipliers, making the lesser talent around them better. Well, a coach has to be that way too, right? A coach, you got to inspire. You got to challenge somebody. You got to make them achieve things that they can never achieve because of the belief that they have in you. You know what I'm saying? And that's what like a great, the great coaches do, right? They can take a player to a level that he would never get to, that he should never get to based upon the skill set that he has. Well, because he's had that coach or that position coach or that head coach instilling a fire in him, he's able to exceed all expectations, right? And as a team, if you have that coach that it inspired, right? That it has you, that has you, you know, trained and, 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 and battle tested to where, hey, we can overcome adversity because we've been built that way. We've been developed that way then you can overcome a lot of situations. I don't see that because as soon as something gets, happens uh, bad on the field, guys run off with their head down. Matter of fact, I'm not even going to say guys run off. Some guys walk off the damn field, and that's the first thing that drives me crazy as a sideline reporter when I see the guys walking off the damn field. Like, come on. But I ain't go- what did I say when we was at training on, camp, J-Mac? What did I say when we were at training camp together talking about this? I said, they're not running practice the same way that they ran practice his first year. Yeah. His first year, run, let's go, on the ball. We're not – they were flying. Everybody running. Everybody running. Everybody, coaches included. We're running from drill to drill. Running on and off the field. That's football, man. Like, in, in it's – it's you know, it's like I said, it's those situations, right, overcoming adversity. But it's also the Bears – and I was about to say us. I don't play for them no more. But the Bears – are you still there, man? Fair enough. Getting out of their own way, right? So offensively, I mean, how many penalties, pre-snap penalties, holding penalties? You make a good play, it comes back. Yeah. You make a good play, the next play is a bad play. Like, you get – last game, we can never get started. And I actually talked to, uh, you know, Tyson Bajan about it, and that's what he said. Like, you know, he makes a good pass, and then, bam, the next play, boom, the ball uh, – it's coming back, ball start, holding. Yeah. You know, Roshan Johnson, you get a good run, next play, fumble. You see what I'm saying? It's like that that stuff, if you want to be a great team, right, and if you want to have a chance to win, right, that doesn't mean you're going to win, you cannot be your worst enemy. I mean, it's hard as hell to win a game in the NFL. We've seen that. We won how many? We only got two this year. We know how hard uh, it is. We got five in two seasons, but J-Man. you it's don't stand a chance when everything's self-inflicted. Yeah. You don't stand a chance. Yeah, it, it's it's that's That's kind of where this team is at. I, I can't. The Flues press conferences are always the most stressful time for me because I hate hearing a guy go out there and basically just be like, it's us, and we believe it, and we know it, and that's the standard, and uh, praise God. What? No, it's not, it's not an answer. Like, what did you just say? Yeah, this is the thing that I, that I, that I, want, I would love to see. And, yeah. you know, like, I mean, I'm around them guys a lot. You know, I, 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 you know, I think a lot of those guys are good players. Does every player have things he needs to work on? Yeah. But, but I just want to see somebody 
in that locker room. I'm not in there, and I don't know if they've done that already. So I'm I'm just talking because I'm not in there. You know, a lot of experts out there that aren't in the locker room that have a lot of opinions, and this is my opinion. You know, this is what I would like to see as a former player who's been in that damn locker room. I want to see somebody step up, right? And I want somebody where, the, you know, they have all these players-only meetings. That's fine. I want you to have one of those, right? And I want somebody to step up and say, you know what, guys? Let's cut the shit. Because I don't care what coaches we have upstairs. I don't care who the GM is, right? It's about us on that field. It's about us on that fucking field. Like, let's go out there. Let's be physical. Let's kick some tail. And let's start putting these, these wins together, man. Because right now we're the laughing stock of the league. And if you're a player and that doesn't frustrate you, right, if you don't have that competitive fire energy inside your heart, right, if you can't go back to that place to where you were busting your behind to get in an NFL locker room, you shouldn't be in there. I want to see somebody step up and do that in the locker room. Let's go out here and practice hard. I want to see the players hold themselves accountable. If somebody's walking off the field, I want to see a player say, run, run, run off the field, yeah. right? If there's periods in practice that isn't going right, we're going to start it over as players. We ain't wait for the coaches to say, no, let's stop this. We're going to start it over ourselves. Because yeah. at the end of the day, you're the guys that's on the field, right? All this stuff is affecting you guys from staying in the NFL, not only or staying on this roster next year or getting another job in the NFL, period. And if you don't see that, if you don't understand that, you shouldn't be wearing a helmet. You shouldn't be wearing that logo anyway. And I hope I can say the F-bomb on but that's the answer. Oh, you're good. You're good. Hey, listen, we on the stream, baby. The stream is live, baby. Yeah. I don't I don't care. I don't care because that's what that's what needs to be said. I wish I could say it for them. Hey, there's there's no dump button on the stream or the podcast, no, J-Mac, you're good. And I, that's, what, that's what needs to be said. I mean, you're like, you're saying what I think so many fans that look at this Bears team at right because the the argument for the problem with Justin Fields is everybody just goes to coaching. The argument with the problem for this Bears team is everybody goes to coaching. Coaching is very important, but. When you look at the players, the players don't look like they want to be in the situation. The players don't look like that they're going to go the extra mile for each other. The one thing Lance said, I was like, Lance, I don't like the fact that we try to tackle with our shoulders. And Lance was like, I love the fact that they try to tackle with their shoulder. Blow the man that's standing in front of you up. But there should be three other players behind me in case I miss you running to the football so that it's not a one-on-one situation. You have to know when to utilize those things. And I think that that's the one thing that we don't see from this Bears team on a consistent basis. Listen, y'all got J-Mac cussing out here, darling. I I need to see it like we, we, you know what I mean? Like, all right, we're talking about the coaches, right? There's an accountability with the coaches, but there's an accountability with players. Yeah, There's accountability with each player, right? There's an accountability with the damn leadership council. I need the leadership council to step up and say, I don't care what the coach is doing. Is that BS? Yeah. We got coaches getting fired and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. But at the end of the day, it's about us on that field, right? Guys, we're fighting for jobs. You're fighting to be on a roster next year. You're fighting to be on a roster from day to day, right? Week to week. This stuff is it's always changing. Yeah. So if you think that your your spot is cemented on this team and you're okay with going out there and, and playing – uh, you know, at a, I can't even say mediocre level because they're not, everybody's not playing that. Way. Nope. You know what I'm saying? If, if, if that, you think that's acceptable as a player, well, you ain't going to be in this league. Yeah. You know, no, I mean, I, like it, it's, it's not about the coaches. Yes. It's about the brand and the organization, but as a player, it's about, it's about me. What am I doing 
to make this situation better? You know, how am I how am I doing my job? Like, am I doing my damn job? Not just yeah. the players, right? The trainers, right? Everybody. The trainers, the the, the strength staff, like everybody, like, oh, you you're not lifting today? Get in here. No, you did you did five reps. It's supposed to be eight. Get back under that bench and give me those three. Like, there ain't no, I mean, we got guys missing practice all the time, bro. You got guys coming up questionable on the injury report, bro. Like, right before the game, like, I'm like, and, and for me, like, it's weird to me. I'm like, well, man, like, when did they get hurt on the on the trip here? It doesn't make sense. Guys I saw do a backflip on the bus. <laughs> what I'm telling you, and I can only go back to when, when I was on the team. Yeah. If man, if guys didn't practice, we looked at you sideways, like, oh, you ain't practicing today? Bro, if I didn't practice, if I didn't practice, like my I felt horrible. I felt horrible, bro. And even like I tore my peck one year and I couldn't practice. And that was the worst time of my life. Yeah. Sitting there on the sidelines, watching my teammates practice and bust their behind. And I couldn't be out there with them. I was physically unable to. And it ate me to the core because I still felt like I was letting them down because I got hurt. When yep. you have that type of accountability to each other as players, that's when you'll start winning. But if you don't, guess what? It'll continue being a long season like we've seen year after year after year after year. That's all I got. I, mean, I don't have There's got to be a standard set. There's got to be a standard set, and that standard is not set here with what we have right now. Let's talk about something uh, – I mean, it is sad because 24 years ago today, Walter Payton passed away. But let's talk about the man uh, and the player that he was a part of this franchise. Man. Been in those halls. You've seen the the Walter Payton at everywhere, right? In the Walter yeah. Payton Center, all of that. Um, as a player who was in those halls, in those same meetings that Walter Payton would have been sitting in as well, right? What did Walter Payton mean to this franchise, and what was it like for you watching him uh, Man, growing up playing? I, I tweeted last week, and I tweeted at Jared Payton, a good friend of mine. Obviously, we knew all Jared Payton, son of Walter Payton. Jared Payton's an awesome guy. I've been a friend for a long time. I tweeted Jared because my dad sent me a picture of me wearing a Walter Payton jersey. I probably was about six years old. And, you know, just seeing the, the passion, the way he played the game, the determination, the grit, all the adjectives we use for greatness, right? Yeah. That's Walter Payton. And I and, and being in the yard, I wanted to be Walter Payton. I wanted to be great. You know, I'm I'm watching him break tackles. I'm running in the living room, running through couches. My mom's getting pissed off. Like I wanted to be him. You know, I, I wanted to be Walter Payton. And I lived in Florida and I'm Chicago Bears. I don't even know where Chicago is, but I want to <laughs> I want to be on that team. Like I want to wear that jersey. Yeah. Like, you know, I want to be that guy. Like and the, like I mean the way he played the game. If you need, if you need, if, if if coaches don't understand what the standard and the expectation is supposed to be in in the Chicago Bears uniform, bro, go put on tape of the greats that played here. Go put on tape of Dick Buckus. Go put on tapes of Walter Payton. Go put on tapes of Gail Sarah. Go put on tape of Brian Urlacher. Go put on tape of my man Lance Briggs. You know what I'm saying? Like that's go put on tape of Mike Brown. Go put on tape of Olin Cruz. That's the standard. That's the expectation. And it just doesn't show up on Sunday. That's the standard and expectation that you got to have each and every day that you set foot in Hallis Hall. Each and every day you put on that practice jersey. Each and every day you put on a helmet. When you start having those type of standards and you start having that type of, uh, you know, if you start having that type of in your preparation, if you have that consistency, well, guess what? 
you'll win games. But when you have people in an organization that don't understand that, then you're not going to – it's going to be mediocre like we've seen. It's not even mediocre, mediocre right now. It's terrible. Yeah. I mean, I, to be honest, it's terrible. Listen, it's, it's, it's terrible. seeing – I remember watching uh, Walter – now, listen, I'm not old enough to have seen Walter. But I remember watching the Walter Payton highlights, right, and just being like, he doesn't care who's on the other side of him. They're not stopping him from getting to that goal. And I always mm-hmm. use Walter Payton as somebody who, you know, the if you are on a journey – that's how you need to attack your journey. Because when you see Walter, Walter don't always run straight. Walter get hit, go backwards, come back up, and hit him again. I saw I saw Walter one time. The, the defensive lineman, I swear, I swear, it's my favorite highlight of all time. The defensive line is there. Walter jumps the line, steps on two people back, gets through the line, and gets another 30 yards. Yeah. That's I mean, how you need to attack every single day. Rest in peace, of course, to the great sweetness. Um yeah. Very, very much so. This this franchise needs a voice uh, that will echo what he meant to this franchise, and I'm glad that Jason McKee was here today to talk about uh, what he means to this franchise. But, hey, ladies and gentlemen, that's another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. We'll be back tomorrow breaking things down with Courtney Cronin for our Eye on the Enemy episode uh, mm. on the New Orleans Saints. We didn't even get to talk about the Saints because of everything else that's going on with this mug, man. About <laughs> about us right now. <laughs> Hey, we, we, we ain't got to worry about them. We got to figure out what's happening here, right? Gotta fix us. They, they're over there. <laughs> talking man, about they're, over there, they're over there laughing. I mean, they're not. They're not even doing good. They're laughing at us, <laughs> looking like, look at these clowns over here. They, they can't do anything. Oh man, they're not gonna be hey. ready to play. They got too much other stuff that doesn't involve football going on. <laughs> Appreciate you guys for tuning in and showing love. Hit that like button if you haven't done so. Chicago Bears podcast. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago Bear Down. Peace. Bear down.